0: Drinking this album, listen to the brew.
1: friends, and welcome back to Album Rebrews, the stickiest music podcast. Uh, I am leisurely walking up that hill. I'm not in a rush, but (laughs) I can't guarantee that I won't be out of breath when I get to the top. My name is Sarah.
2: Da, 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 da. Under ice, ice baby, <laughs> uh, I'm stuck under ice. My name's Zach. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> By the end of this wow. episode, we're gonna get you out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's like three of them in there. I wasn't sure it was gonna work. <laughs>
3: I don't know. That sounds legally distinct from under pressure. Uh, to me. <laughs> so we're, yeah. We're good. Uh, hmm. Well, uh, I, I am, I am running up that road. I'm running up that hill and I'm also running up that phone bill because it's the 1980s and we've been up all night on a party line talking about Kate Bush to anybody who will listen. I'm Kat cat. <laughs> <Yes!
2: laughs> Kat, did you do that in the 80s?
3: <laughs> uh, no, I was um, uh, just a,
2: a hair too young. Oh, uh, sure. I could have
3: easily made that mistake, but
2: uh,
3: <laughs> just,
1: we
2: taught. Well we are super excited to have Kat Blackard with us today. Uh not in not in the studio. We we've we got this cool setup where she's on top of a mannequin with the computer. Yeah. yeah it's
1: really. kind of it's like That's like, um, actually my what
2: does my, <laughs> what does my body look like? what <laughs> can I put my legs?
1: <laughs> It's kind of um exactly like Karen the computer wife
0: yes. from Spongebob SquarePants. Yeah.
1: Uh sort of a monitor on top of a long Sheldon. thin speaker. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's very good. It sounds it sounds
2: uh provocative, really. Ooh. Yeah. Kat is a multi display artist and multimedia storyteller. Uh she's the mother brain of Omniverse, and she's done podcasts, she's done Consequence of Sound. Uh, she designs album artworks for very cool indie bands, which I'm super excited to hear about later. Uh, is there anything I missed, Kat? Anything else super cool? Uh,
3: perhaps. I'm probably best known as the showrunner for the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, oh, yes, an uh, audio drama podcast.
2: Yeah, and that next season is already out by the time the folks are hearing this, right?
3: Uh, yeah, it's 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 starting. It's It's on a roll. The episodes are coming out, yeah.
2: That's fantastic. Where can folks find that?
3: at CthulhuMystery.com or on probably the podcast or the podcast listening device that you're listening to this on I assume. Uh, we're on all podcast players. So
1: and enjoy. give the folks at home a little bit of a, a little bit of an idea of what they might be getting themselves into if they turn on sure. this fine program.
3: Gladly. So, um the Call of Cthulhu mystery program is a horror comedy show. It is an anthology, so each season is a different storyline. Um, but it all takes place in well, thus so far in the 1920s in the world of H.P. Lovecraft. So there's a lot of cosmic horror, a lot of unknowable horror. But um, but our slice of Lovecraft is a bit more rooted in uh, let's see, like themes and characters that are not the sorts of things that uh, old H.P. Uh, piece of shit that he was um, <laughs> was related to. Uh, uh, it's it's generally a pretty queer show, um, and we uh, we look to uh, it, unknowable horror to me means things that the uh white, cis-normative, like, heteropatriarchy, like, finds abhorrent, which is, you know, like, literally everybody else on the planet and things that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of the mindset that the show is generally, you know, written in. Um, Though I say written, that's written with an asterisk because we do things a bit differently. Um, We are, in part, what some call an actual play podcast and what I call an RPG audio drama. Um, We use tabletop role-playing, the Call of Cthulhu role-playing system, to... Uh, create the story in terms of like improvisational storytelling and collaborative storytelling, um, but we do it in a way that is not. Um, it's not about listening to people play a game together. It's about the game and the momentum of that experience creating the uh, the story around us. Because all these, you know, all all of our players are are actors and performers and they are, are living in those moments and they're also writers and they're writing those moments as they as they live through them. So when they're cracking jokes, they're naturally breaking tension. Um, when they are fearing for their lives and and of what is coming for them, it's real because in this game, Characters die all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least they, they can, or they'll be severely damaged. They can lose sanity. Um, things can happen to people. So it's a very interactive um, storytelling method. It's something I, I deeply love, and um, we have a really— um, this is a long answer, but we have a really complicated like production process where we play the game, and then um, we go back in, I write additional material for it, we create an uh, old-timey radio framing device, we have original score, cinematic sound design. The sound design for uh, our most recent series, Night at Howling House, is spatial, and so like oh. if you're wearing headphones, it'll sound like you're in the room with these kids as they like explore this haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, weird, intense project.
2: That's very cool. I listened to the first episode today, I think, of your first season. And I was kind of, yeah, blown away by what you are saying. Like, I could tell that they were role-playing, but then also there was some structure that kept my attention. Because sometimes you'll listen to, like, a live-action D&D. And d and like, oh, they're just rolling dice and goofing off. But you kind of eliminated the goofing off, right? The in-between the story elements.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not that there's not, you know, out-of-character dialogue that happens. But um, one thing that that I learned, because I've I've been doing – tabletop role-playing podcasts since 2009 oh wow and um i for a lot of different reasons started adhering to a practice of never leaving character always staying in character (laughs) when dice (laughs) rolls are happening and from that i learned that that makes the story more intense if you're not constantly like jumping back into your own like uh mid-guardian headspace then then you're always there. You're always living in your character's skin, and it becomes more visceral and interesting. And once we once we tried that out with the horror game, it kind of changed everything.
2: Oh, I bet.
1: It is so sick. I was also listening to some of the most recent season yesterday, and I won't spoil anything, but characters were losing sanity left and right. Uh, it is very sick. It is very immersive. Um, and we're we're plugging Cat before we even get into the podcast, but go check it
2: out. It's fantastic. We're, we're big fans. Uh, Thanks, folks. So yeah.
1: to get into it, Cat, um, as our special guest co-host, you brought our album and drink pairing today. Will you let the folks at home know what we're going to be listening to and talking about?
3: Yeah. Well, you know we we had had this conversation going on for uh, for a minute throughout the year, and. Um, <laughs> Prior to the most recent Stranger Things and the massive Kate Bush resurgence, I I'd already pitched
1: Hounds of Love. It's
3: one of my favorite records, so um, I I think that this is just really appropriate. This is this is Kate's year uh, again. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's it's really cool to be uh, talking about this record with you folks, especially when people like now might actually think like, "Oh, Kate Bush, neat. I should listen to that." Instead of like, "Oh, Kate Bush, cool. Who is that? I don't." What? So, uh, and what we're pairing with that is uh, I've bent the rules a smidge. It is still technically beer, um, but in this case, <laughs> we're going to be sampling Lindemann's Frambois, which is a lambic. And It
1: uh, is gorgeous. Uh, uh,
3: yeah, initially we thought maybe, you know, we could drink some Kate Bush beer, uh, but that seemed like a very <laughs> bad idea. Um, instead, I chose a, a mystical fermented beverage, uh, you know, of the woods. Um, yeah. this, this is this is a, a a raspberry uh, booze and um, it is fermented through exposure to wild yeasts and bacteria native to the uh, to Belgium's Sen region. Um, and uh, then raspberries are added to uh, the brew maturation process. So you know basically like when someone's normally uh, brewing a beer, uh, brewers yeast strains are heavily cultivated and everything and this is literally like it lets the land itself, the va- the specific ba- valley creates this booze.
1: So exciting. That sounds
3: so cool.
1: I was telling Zach earlier that this seemed like such a perfect pick for this album. Because not only is it going to be like... A little sweet and like they're on the surface. <laughs> Kate Bush seems like a cutie patootie, uh-huh. um, but it's also got these sort of there's
3: much darkness within. There's yeah. much it's, darkness it's
1: within, it's and awful. a little bit of ye oldie. Um, we're gonna get into some wonderful like baroque pop elements yeah. on this album. So I think having sort of this old process.
3: Oh, yours was a cork. Yeah, yeah. I I hope that was uh, well as well, Mike, as I intended it to be. I think it was.
1: I heard it loud and clear. Oh, you are so classy. You even smelled the cork. And I'm going to pour it into the silver goblet. (gasps) Get out of town.
2: That's so cool. We got to get goblets for our bar cart now. Yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure this is the wrong vessel for this drink, but it also in many ways is the right vessel for this
1: drink. Absolutely. No wrong way to vibe. Uh, Zach and I don't have the honor of drinking out of a of a goblet or a chalice today because ye oldie liquor store only carries the tiny bottles. So Zach and I have the tiny uh, baby cousins of your bottle. Yes, cheers, cheers, cheers.
2: It smells great.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is delicious. This tastes like freaking raspberry jam. I, I would also say we are recording this on a Monday, so I am pretty happy that we have a lower ABV option. <laughs>
2: yes, this is good Monday drinking. <laughs> we're going to
1: set ourselves up for success this week.
3: Yes. Yeah, it's a whopping two point five. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're all going to get rigged wrecked. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Check back in at the end of the One benefit to drinking it out of
3: the bottle is that the I mean. The silver goblet does taste like pennies. I mean, like it's it's (laughs)
2: oh
1: it's like real metal, it's not just like party city acrylic.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, no, it's 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 a fancy oldy time fancy thingamajig.
1: Cat. I
2: kind of want like a big piece of toast with this, like a nice piece of rye bread.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just bread and beer. The way we were the way God intended. Oh man. Well, we've introduced our album, we've introduced our drink. Uh, and I think we should get into it. Um, I was very surprised to see that. I, I had not listened to this album in full before it was picked for this episode. Um, but, of course, like, I didn't watch the most recent season of Stranger Things, but I heard that song everywhere.
2: It's used very well in the, in the show.
1: It is. Did you it's, actually it's, watch it?
2: I did.
3: Have you watched it Cat? I have, yes. Oh. Um, um, and, yeah, it was uh, very, very well used. i um, Especially, like, they they integrated the song into the score, so, like, it um, it was remixed. All all of it was done with Kate Bush's approval. Apparently, she was a fan of Stranger Things already, so it was uh-huh. an easy sell, even though she's can be, like, you know, very specific about how her material is used. So. Totally. Yeah, Still. the moment
2: in the show, just, I won't spoil it, yeah. even though it's, like, six months out, and if you haven't watched it, you might have probably seen a spoiler. Uh, but it's a very good scene, and a very good song for the scene.
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're opening with a bang, with Running Up That Hill, parentheses, a deal with God.
2: Do you know why they changed that?
1: No. Why they changed what?
2: They they changed the name uh, to "Run Up That Hill" instead of "A Deal with God," which was the working title. Oh, uh, because and as far as Kate's concerned, uh,
3: "Deal with God" is the name of the song.
2: She oh. Does oh. It doesn't does she it.
3: she she like like it's it's called it's you know it's called running up that hill. It's legally filed as running up that hill, but to her, it's called a deal with God because well, you were just gonna go for it.
2: Yeah, uh, EMI, the record label, their marketing department, thought it would be more palpable to religious countries if it was named running Up the hill instead of a deal with God.
1: That sounds like something Kate Bush <laughs> is concerned about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, she, she thought it was uh, absurd, and she was really mad about it, but also they uh, there was – they believed there was a genuine risk of it being blacklisted in religious skewing countries. And honestly, they were probably right. We've seen yeah. in the, in people the 80s. at large yeah. do stupider things. Yeah. So um, they, they actually were probably li- right. And she was like, well, okay, I've worked too hard on this. I'm not going to, like, shoot myself in the foot over the title of a song, whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to make a fucking great song, and you can call it whatever you want. And I'll yeah. call it whatever I want. So there... I mean, sonically, if you haven't heard this song yet. Uh, in, t-
2: in 2022, if you have not heard this song, you, you should go listen to it. may be living under a rock.
1: Should we maybe play a little bit yeah. for the folks at home? Ah.
2: fade out before the chorus just leave them one more
1: hell yeah yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> good plan yeah yeah <laughs> uh what a sound
1: what a sound yeah holds up really well, I think
2: yeah it hasn't I mean it feels distinctively eighties obviously yeah. with like the synth and the drum machines, but it, like it's still like i I don't feel about it like I feel about like music from the forties right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I
3: I think it it knows what it's doing, right? Like, even even coming, you know, dead center from 1985, it owns its sound in a way that isn't trying to say, like, hey, we're the 80s, we're just fucking around with synthesizers and whatever. It's someone, you're hearing someone who's kind of, like, she knows that she's using synthetic instruments, and she's wielding them not to impersonate them, but to be their own
2: sounds. Mm It's very clear.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah, she's totally an artist. She's, this whole album is an art piece, I think. Oh,
1: absolutely. And it was sort of the beginning of like a synthesizer sort of being regarded as like an actual instrument Mm -hmm. versus just a way to like, you know, modulate something or like a little side piece. (laughs) Like it's really taking center stage here, which is very exciting. And it'll pop up all over the rest of the album. Oh, absolutely. Oh, baby. If you like synth. Get your butt in a chair.
3: <laughs> and it is a very specific synthesizer, I might add. Yes. Um, oh, it's tell. a Fairlight CMI, and um, that is that machine is one of the most incredible things that humanity ever invented. I mean, now we have surpassed it in terms of processing power and everything, but at the time— this record was made, this like multi-million dollar machine was, was a dream machine. The first one in the UK was bought by Peter Gabriel, um, who was a friend of Kate's. And like Kate saw him using it and was like, oh shit, I need that. And uh, this is the first record that she produced in her home studio. She built a 24-track studio. And the entire record is, and I'm not sure any other record could say this. Definitely not at the time. Or maybe maybe with Peter Gabriel, I'm not sure. But the entire record was built on her noodling with a synthesizer and the demos were created on the Fairlight and then built on and built on and built on. So you're hearing the demos, which become the album tracks Mm
1: -hmm. after,
3: you know, months and years of layering.
1: So fun. And this was
2: still probably on tape too, right? In 1985, right? All analog tape? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it even crazier.
3: Except the Fairlight. I mean, like not the Fairlight itself, because the Fairlight did have like, I mean, it had magnetic, you know, like. Floppies and so forth. Oh, you know, like, sure. Yeah, you could do it on discs and so. So, like, it was like load in a bunch of diskettes, like, get a bunch of samples together, uh, punch it out. If you haven't ever seen a Fairlight before, it's an incredible looking combination of like keyboard and like a bunch of computer towers and a, uh, a stylus interface touchscreen. Oh. It's the wildest thing. I first saw it on Sesame Street um, <laughs> being played by, um, I think it was. Kirby Hancock, maybe I need—I don't recall off the top of my head, but you know, some some like luminary of of, the, of synthesis in that time period was just showing kids how to mess around with it. It was super rad. That's so cool. So
1: sick. I think thematically, this song in its lyrics is very interesting. Um, sort of the first couple songs, we get a lot of themes of you know, love, falling in love, falling out of love. Dealing with love. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a song that kind of has, um, you know, come out and been what it's been and then sort of evolved over time, which might be in part to, like, Stranger Things coming out Mm -hmm. and people re-listening to the song, re-looking at the lyrics. When I was looking at um, (laughs) Genius.com to to grab some notes for this album— all the other songs on the album had maybe 50,000, 100,000 people who had looked at it. And then up at How the top, A Deal With God had like 3 million. <laughs> so like people are in it, right? Now.
3: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: It's really her year again. Uh, but this one is, I mean, the, the chorus kind of dishes it out pretty well, but it's sort of about wanting to – um swap places with a lover with someone um just to sort of walk a mile in their shoes and see like what's what are your problems like what are my problems like how do you affect me and vice versa um but it's it's sort of transformed over the years it has kind of been adopted as like this queer anthem and specifically um well queer anthem in, in a couple different forms they're are sort of people who are queer, who are like, oh, I I wish, like, cis, heterosexual people, like, could just step into my shoes and see what my life is like. Or I wish I could see what it's like to have, at the time, like, the societal acceptance of mm-hmm. that identity. Um, or for a lot of people, it has become sort of like a, a trans anthem, like – And this is not, like, always quite literally how transitioning works, but for some people, like, sort of hearing someone, like, hearing someone step into the shoes of another gender was very affirming for people, which is lit. And um, Kate Bush came out and said, like, that wasn't the original plot, but I like it. I think that's <laughs> Good for great. Yeah. <laughs> she said, "Yay."
2: Yeah, right.
3: And and to her and when she was when she was uh, she was addressing gender specifically, but it was in kind of it was in a a cishet relationship yeah. um of like like men and women being, you know, polarized and so forth and not being able to see each other's perspectives, which is uh, I mean like, you know, it's it's rooted in a very specific kind of understanding of of things, but it's it makes so much sense that it has expanded because um I mean yeah the song the song is intensely trans oh, um, totally. which is uh will will be kind of funny uh when we get to the next track and i tell you my story associated with that track but so it's 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 i suppose there's there's no coincidence that this album landed so hard for me when it did not that i knew anything about myself yeah (laughs) uh at the time that i first heard it because i did not um but there's some there is something fundamentally magical about kate bush the way she composes the way she reaches into like her heart and the 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 aether and the collective unconscious and pulls out these these sounds and the uh, lyrics that are not always as literal as she gives them credit for yeah like sometimes they can be quite uh oblique but they seem to have multitudes inside of them
1: mm-hmm.
3: um i mean just the tones the tones of this song have either of you seen the video
1: i have yes i didn't see it what is it uh is it, it is it's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I mean, this isn't totally how the video goes, but it's it's sort of like two people in a warehouse. Um it's it's kind of giving like the Footloose scene where he's like have you seen Footloose? Mm-hmm. He's like angry dancing in a barn, but it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um but it is um Kate and some guy um presumed to be maybe involved in this storyline and they're sort of wearing their like gray like you said gender non-specific um attire and they're just dancing this really artful like modern duet um mm. it's kind of like acrobatic at times she really gets tossed around <laughs>
3: I, it's it's, I, it's sensual it's combative
1: yeah. um Ooh.
3: the the landscape when you think you understand like where it's happening the the sort of like landscape changes in a kind of weird way yeah. that makes it intensely dreamlike highly recommended
1: and it's so like quintessentially 80s like there's this beautiful amount of like fuzzy like soft light and like her hair is a little like tousled she's got like the the curly bangs and all that yeah yeah yeah. it's so good
2: (laughs) that sounds great we're gonna post it for those who haven't seen it yeah
1: yeah all the music videos for this album are i mean some more than others um but they all feel super like artful.
3: I do have a story for the next song. Kate Bush and I have had a really strange start together and I didn't get to Hounds of Love, the song or the record for for a minute. I heard Weathering Heights when I was in high school mm. um, because I was, we were reading the book in school and I searched it on the internet mm-hmm. and then like tracked, I, I li- probably listened to, I don't know, like a fragment of the song and like on a, a waveform in like 1999 or whatever. I, and I was like, oh, this is I don't know. The shrill voice is a bit intense. Um, and then uh, they put "Wow" on the um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack, and that <laughs> no. was like that was also not a good entry point for Kate Bush. If you want to think that this lady just makes extremely high warbly notes, and that's that's it, and like uh, then then those were not great entry points for, for at least not for me anyway. Right. But then um, in like. 2004 or 5, I uh, was listening to an internet radio station that I believe still exists called mm-hmm. Radio Paradise and they kind of play like a lot of pop and art pop stuff and they played her song um, uh, The Sensual World and I was like, okay, my life is, like, immediately I've never heard anything like this. This is the most uh, beautiful, erotic, uh, passionate, like, I feel like, I feel like this person has just, like, shown me something really primal inside myself. Uh-huh. Um mm-hmm. What is happening here? So I ran out and I bought that record immediately and and fell into that really hard and then quickly found out. Well, actually, people are even more into this one that came out just before that one. Uh-huh. Um, so I checked it out and I was listening to it and um and really got stuck on track two, "Hounds of Love," the title track. So I was driving uh, a couple hours out of town with some friends to uh, go to a concert and we were spending the night in somebody's house. I don't know where it was. I slept on the couch of someone. I don't know. I do not really know what was going on. (laughs) And I was listening to my uh, Discman, um, uh, Hounds of Love, on repeat, just really getting into it, sinking into the music. And I had a dream, this, like, earth-shaking cinematic narrative dream that I don't think I've ever talked about publicly, um, I've been meaning to, mm-hmm. but it, uh, it was a message from myself or forces beyond me. I'm not sure. In it, there was uh, a young boy in a village in what may have been late uh, 19th century, uh, somewhere forested. And in this small village, there was a, a story about like a wild woman who lived in the woods and no one had seen her exactly, but everybody had a story about how they like kind of did. Um, there was a road leading off into the woods with with only like one lamppost kind of out in front of this like tall walled village. And I was seeing this uh, this narrative from the perspective of this young boy, and the boy's out at night and sees this woman like moving on the edges of the spotlight of this lamppost, and it's like Oh, wow, it's the Wild Woman. I'm going to go, like, chase after her. So he chases after her um, down into the woods uh, towards uh, a large river. It's extremely dark. He can't see. And eventually he sort of, like, figures out where she's gone and, and finds a hole that, like, the, the the terrain had gone down, like, deeper down, like, as it's sort of like the the, the geology of the land is going towards the the riverbed. So there's this hole that goes underneath the road and like kind of underneath where the village is. Um, and he realizes, oh, this must be how she gets around is through these like passages. Mm -hmm. So he crawls into this passage, this very narrow space underneath the road and finds an exit on the other side of the road. So she can travel from forest to forest, avoiding any kind of human spotting of any kind. And he lost her. He can't find her. Um, but it, it haunts him a great deal. And at home, there's all this kind of like like turmoil and expectations and stuff. And this is a kid who's like in his early teens and is being expected to stop being a child. To like in what would be in this context probably become a man, get a job, become a logger or something. Mm-hmm. And like and to step into into that role, into that identity. And he's out late at night again and he sees the wild woman. And she sees him, and disappears in the darkness again. And he pursues her, and he's like, "I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, like I just, I just want to know you. I just want to know you." I, and and is pleading with her, and then he finds her, like li- leading him, leading him through that passage again, leading him in the forest beyond, away from the village, until it's almost like it's it's gotten to be daylight, and there's kind of like a sinkhole, um, the land falls down and a path kind of spirals around the edge of it, leading deeper towards it. And there's trees growing out the center of it. And he doesn't see her because she's, you know, he's just kind of like following her just like, she's right at the edge of his sight the whole time. And there's a hole in the side of the wall and he looks into it and he sees her eyes glowing in the distance. And she says something to the effect of like, I've seen who you are and you can come in if you want. But you'll never be able to go out again. Mm. Like you, like you, you cannot return. And the kid hears, uh, like a search party calling for him because he's been gone all night. Looks away, and the hole is gone. Oh! And I woke up feeling so haunted. Yeah. So <laughs> tremendously haunted yeah and i uh in college i turned this into a short story and everyone noted all the 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 female energy of it and stuff and like the sort of like vulvic, uh uh archetypal like you know entering into passages and so forth and Mm -hmm. and everything and not once did i ever think i might be transgender (laughs) (laughs) but it turns out that's what was going on, and my my mind sent me an extremely complicated message through. Because, and like the reason this is Hounds of Love is related to this is that that you know, that, I mean, not obviously the like the Wild Woman. It has an intense uh, Kate Bush energy, yeah. right? But that song, um, the sort of synesthetic embodiment of it, the way I was seeing it was mm-hmm. this
2: dream, you know, was this place. Yeah, the the um, violin, the kind of the thumping of it. Yeah, might might fit over top the dream you had. Yeah,
1: totally, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is insane. Yeah, I I love that that your that your mind tells you this like beautiful subconscious story, and you're like, must be nothing. <laughs> it's a story. I'm just gonna write it and feel haunted by it, but it probably doesn't mean anything yeah. to me or about yeah, that me. Was, that was
3: that was 2005. Uh huh. Uh, I didn't start to figure myself out until like 2012, uh-huh. and even then didn't start to transition until like uh, 2018. So you know, sometimes it takes a long time to get the message.
1: Totally, totally <laughs> have to have a couple more dreams about it.
3: Well, and or in in this case, the 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 difference in culture between 2005 mm-hmm. and those later years is enormous. Absolutely. Like there were still a lot of a lot of transphobic thoughts tumbling around my head that told me that like. I can't be a woman. I'm I'm attracted to women. And right. like so that like can't I can't be a lesbian. That's insane. That's insane. That's madness. Um
1: Say it isn't so
3: <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, that is amazing. Well, I think then we should hear a little bit of the score that may surround this wild woman.
2: Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs>
1: Insane how on point those lyrics kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it when it um is is painted over this experience. Um the song sort of over its course describes the idea of like love as these wild vicious dogs that are chasing after our narrator and she's terrified of them. She is scared of like getting ensnared in and like captured by love. Yeah. Um, and I think that Is it
3: love? Is it the, is it the truth? Right? Or is love and the truth one and the same?
1: Exactly. Mm, yeah. I could sort of see how for a, a queer identity for a while um, it does feel, and based on my own experience too, like it, it feels like it chases you for a second like before you really um, I don't know, like make it quote unquote real. Not that feelings aren't real, but Um, before you sort of, if you do, like let someone else in – and let someone else know that you've been chased by this and maybe succumb to the dogs a little and pet them because they're nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're hounds of love. I bet they're,
3: I bet they're super friendly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's really important that there's the verse about the fox in there because you know, that yeah. the fox and the, and the hounds, they're not, I mean, obviously there's the, there's the British like uh, fox hunting problem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but they are not, you know, they are not fundamentally different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that, the fox is caught by dogs, but then, like, she bridges that gap between, like, the the wild things that are pursuing her, the wild thing that she lets into her heart and her home. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's just, oh, it's tremendous. It's so It's so beautiful.
1: It's so beautiful. And it's one of those things that definitely, if you're just, like, listening at face value, it's still a beautiful, fun song to listen to. Mm-hmm. It is fun to walk down the street and listen to this song, but... Um, really getting into the, like, poetic nature of it.
2: Yeah, it is very a really good,
1: rewarding experience. It's a really nice
2: metaphor that's probably, that's, like, pretty unique, right? To call love hounds and, like... Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: yeah. There was so much. To make
2: it chasey, kind of, like... Yeah.
1: Right. Kind of
3: there, there's also another really interesting component to it, which is the, the, the clip, the sampled clip at the very beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That... that that's from *Night of the Demon*, which is one of Kate's favorite movies, and I love that it's one of Kate's favorite movies. It's <laughs> very quirky occult horror film from the UK. Uh, it fits into my demo really well. <laughs> yeah, um, it has some downright impeccable special effects for when it came out. There's some st- some scenes in it that are still extremely haunting, and uh, and that's that's a scene from a uh, from a séance where someone's seeing a vision of this of this demon that's been. Um, sort of uh tethered to uh to to kill a man um who's been given like a cursed piece of paper. Oh.
1: She is so smart. There's so, Goodness, there's so much cool stuff
2: sprinkled in this album. Yes. So many throwbacks. So yes. many
1: there it's, are layers on layers on layers on references on poetry. The, the foxhole goes very
2: deep, you could say.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs>
2: And or also, Kate hole, right? is a
3: big nerd, and I love that about her. Yeah, nerd
2: energy.
1: Good. This is a podcast for nerds. Yeah, fine nerds. By nerds. Uh, <laughs> do you have
2: a game you want to play before we go to the next one?
1: I do. Okay. I do. So the first two songs that we've listened to um, have one of my personal favorite components of musical production in it, um, and that is. And let me know how familiar you are with this gated reverb.
2: Nope. She, she's dating a, She's dating an audio engineer. Heck yes. I
1: am dating an audio engineer. So I'll put it in layman's terms because I am not super eloquent when it comes to this. But um, when you think of like Phil Collins in the air tonight, the way that those drums sound, or I think a really amazing modern example of this is like Jack, Jack Antonoff um, and his work either as a producer with Taylor Swift with Lord with whoever, or in his own work as bleachers, hmm. I think he really is sort of bringing this technique back into vogue. Um, the kind of a
0: do 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 do
1: exactly. do do drum. exactly. Okay, so simultaneously for this production style, uh, Cameron, feel free to add additional color in post if I don't. Um, do this justice, but again, super layman's terms. uh you're simultaneously adding reverb, which is like echo to the drum sound um and then also sort of compressing it,
3: it and it has a hard stop like that's like the, the gate means that it's like it, it has a it has a limit. it doesn't go on into forever. it doesn't fade out. it's just it's just hard
1: exactly mm. exactly. But
3: I'm really glad you're talking about this because it's gonna become very uh interestingly, let's say um. Synchronous, um, <laughs> word, uh, or so serendipitous yeah. uh, in just a couple tracks. I had some notes specifically relating to an interesting roundabout connection between this conversation and one that I'm about to happen.
1: Oh, have perfect. Oh, this is perfect. Okay. So we do a game on this show that's called Who Strum It, um, which is a game that Zach usually orchestrates where Uh, We will hear a little bit of a song and guess who is strumming a a song heavily featuring guitar. Um, I would like to raise you who (laughs) drum it where we will listen to a playlist that I have actually been listening to for like a couple years. It's called An Ode to Gated Reverb. Um, and it's wow. just a bunch of tracks.
2: <laughs> a bunch of good drums with with like good ass
1: like 80s drums on them. Um so I am gonna pit you two against each other. Oh, that's okay. all right. Yeah, yeah. Um I am going to start, I'm just gonna put this playlist on shuffle and start playing a song. And when you think you know who it is, I want you to go. Um, with the, <laughs> the comedic drum fill, um, you don't have to guess specifically like who's playing the drums because I wouldn't even know that information. But, okay, but
2: the song or the band, the
1: song or the band okay. will get you there. Um, first person to get three correct is the drum master for the rest of the episode, okay. which is a high <laughs> honor. Uh, do we feel good about this?
3: Yeah, I feel great. Okay, good. I feel great about this. Yeah.
1: Amazing. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Who drum it? Number one. Zach? Kesha. No. (laughs) Incorrect. Kat, would you like to try and steal?
3: Okay. This is going to be an entirely a shot in the dark. Um, I'm going to say... Nope, you know what? My, my modern music knowledge is, is <laughs> kind of piss poor, actually. Um, that
1: is fair. That is fair. I am,
3: I am an 80s expert and uh-huh. can be hired as such, but, uh, but when it comes to mod- more modern stuff. <laughs> it's only-
1: we will get a healthy mix of um, both of those and everything in between on this playlist.
2: Yeah, Kesha was a joke. Is there modern stuff in here?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so that song was Gone by Charlie XCX. Oh, uh,
2: that is modern, yeah. Uh,
1: we will go to the next song. Next,
0: let your heart behind when I lay
1: eyes and set 'em up and down. They're just living on the back away. I
2: don't know, we might have to pass on this one. Would
1: uh same.
3: All right. I, I, I mean, I could. I could say like, I is it is it Solange? <gasps> is it. Uh... You're kidding me. You get a point for that. It's Solange. <laughs> That's great. See, now here's, here's the thing. It's because every I have not ever sat down and listened to a Solange record, but every uh-huh. single I've ever heard, everything she's ever been featured on, I've thought, I really need to listen to Solange <laughs> because I totally dig her sound. Yes. Um,
2: this, is, this is a sign uh, that you have to do that now.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, I, I guess
1: so. Hot damn. Hot damn. That was a really excellent <laughs> guess. That was Lovers in the Parking Lot by Ooh. Solange. Okay. Um, off of a really... Good EP called True. Next, Cat has one point. <laughs> Somehow, hey!
2: this is feeling familiar.
0: What if we could
1: go back? my, my ears. I'm going to bedoom. But um, yes.
3: Again, I'm really like crap with modern music. Uh Is that Taylor Swift by chance?
1: Close. These people would have worked with the same producer, but it is not Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift. Zach, would you like to try and steal?
2: Small
3: pool for everybody to swim in these days,
1: unfortunately. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Uh, is it? Taylor, slow, because she's not (laughs) Swift. I have no idea.
1: (laughs) It is When I Needed You by Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. Oh.
2: Let's get some 80 in the shuffle.
1: We'll see. Come on, Spotify. Next.
3: But it's <gasps> why that's good by horses by Q Lazarus. Yes, it is. Cash.
2: You get a second well, in My
3: decade. Then it's all it's all <laughs> over.
1: Shout out to the shuffle. I know. got that. That was good. All right, <laughs> we're we're getting close. Come Zach, on. can you pull it Come back? Come on, off? Phil
2: Collins. Come on, Come Phil on. Collins. I recognize that in a heartbeat. Boom! That's the <laughs>
1: No, Zach. <laughs> it is. Oh, it is M eighty uh, three. Oh. Yeah, Cat. You City. win. City. No. Or what's it called? It's called Midnight City. Midnight
2: by City. M83. <laughs> they call it Owl City. This is only two percent alcohol. I swear.
1: Yeah. Well, Cat, you are our drum master for the rest of the episode. Oh,
2: well done. Congratulations. Well done. That was a good game. Uh, well,
1: thanks. thank you for playing Who Drum It. <laughs> I expect a big fill. And <laughs> <laughs> time. That I so requested. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Let's see if we can make that happen.
2: All right, and we're back uh, with a, a big sky. How
1: do you guys feel about big sky? It's so fun to listen to we, this. I'm not going to spoil it, but like the album takes a thematic turn. So right now we're still in the fun zone. <laughs> we're still in the the dance zone.
3: When it was on vinyl, it was very clearly it was it was a, it's two in one. It's a two in one record. Side yeah. A is Hounds of Love, and side B is the Ninth Wave. Uh
1: huh. Oh. And
3: it's a it's a trick she's pulled before because uh, later on her uh, 2000s record Ariel had disc one was one record of singles and disc two was a record length concept album. So
1: sneaky, sneaky, good trick
2: though. It's a great way to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I did not notice on my first listen but we'll get to it we'll get to it (laughs) (laughs) i'll delve into it when we get there um this one again had like a super fun immediately it kind of made me think of like i want to dance with somebody kind Mm. of a whitney houston dance beat um even though the lyrics aren't quite as happy uh definitely like light and childlike but we're we're sort of sticking with the themes of like being afraid of love, being afraid of a relationship, not feeling understood by the the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tricky, but it's also adorable.
3: This
0: isn't <laughs> the playful, and
1: it gets
3: big. The sound gets yeah. big. It gets yeah.
1: so big.
2: I thought it might be a funny lens to imagine this from the perspective of a stoner who's just like, (laughs) (laughs) because she's really enjoying the big sky. She loves the sky. I thought it might be fun to just experience this while you're high, just cloud watching.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love her delivery during that section where she kind of hits like the sky, like she, for a second, Mm -hmm. just a fun little artistic choice. So good. It's so good, and and
3: her willingness to use her voice as a like nonverbal instrument yeah. all the time—it's so good. She's just like no one does that. No one really believes in their own sounds enough to do that most right. of the time.
1: Uh, I bet I, I would love to like have been a fly on the wall, like in the studio watching this album be oh, sure. made. Because I'm sure the energy would have been like fucking electric, like palpable, oh, dog. Yeah. If she's just like. Whoa, 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 like (laughs) hooping in the background, just really (laughs) feeling it, getting into it. That would be.
2: Ah! It'd be a spiritual experience. Yeah. let's see God.
1: Yeah, totally. I'd make a deal with God. <laughs> I'd make a
2: deal with God <laughs> to be in the recording studio. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, God. Can you make me a fly, please? And also put me back in the 80s, please. Put me back the,
3: 80s. the next song is Mother Stands for Comfort, a, a song uh, from, a, uh, well, it's, a, it's, about, it's about a mother who loves her mm-hmm. kid to the theme of love uh, so mm-hmm. much that even though they're a murderer, Um, she's gonna, you know, uh, hide the madman, quote unquote. Um, (laughs) and it is a stripped down song. It is, it is intense and bare bones.
1: Yeah. It feels very spooky, ooky, ooky.
2: (laughs) There's like a cool, like breaking glass sample and then like a snare drum hit that sounds maybe like a gun. Some people said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, the synth line that's kind of going on in the background is very like cold, yeah. Um, an almost like alien, like it's very spooky, but it's about a mother's love <laughs> of her <laughs> serial killer son. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. To her the hunted, not the hunter. Right. Perhaps yeah. the most uh-huh. tear-jerking line in the in the whole mess of it. Now, uh the it's it is heavily percussive. Yeah. And and some of that percussion is gated.
1: Yes. And hmm.
3: And it occurred to me as I and for the first time it's never crossed my mind all the times I've listened to it while I was listening to it for the show this feels like a companion piece to Peter Gabriel's 1980 song The Intruder
1: mm. which is about
3: a guy sneaking into a house and kind of like voyeuristically like rifling through stuff. The kind of stuff that one might do if they were, say, on the track to becoming a murderer. Yeah. Oh. It's also, but it's from that person's perspective. It's really creepy and gross, but it's also like you're in his head. Yeah. So it's like, it's sort of, it's attempting to make itself relatable.
1: Yeah. I of think course, we need to play them back to back. I'm
2: going to play it. Yeah. I want yeah. to play The Intruder. Ooh. Well, that okay. I think that inspired Primus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, that that noise that maybe they're like picking a like a guitar string or something, but it, it sounds like you're like running down like the the teeth of a comb. Oh yeah. Ugh.
3: This is before The Fairlight and Peter uh-huh. was actually like going to um like junkyards the tape recorder and like smashing shit. There's videos oh. of it on uh, YouTube. It's
2: fucking rad. I'm an artist. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Here is mother stands for comfort for comparison. already a little more palpable
3: (laughs) the way that she sings in a kind of meandering way is Mm -hmm. also
2: what peter gabriel
3: does in the intruder like same kind of like in peter gabriel's case it's kind of like mimicking the movement of him creeping through someone's house and this it's it's just a bit more i guess ponderous in general but uh uh you gotta guess as to who might be playing the drums on that peter gabriel track
1: do not say it who is it
2: no, dru- go, go ahead and who, guess. Who drum it?
1: Who drum it? We're
2: doing a who drum it.
1: On the Peter Gabriel? It, is it not Phil Collins? Is it Phil Collins?
2: It's Phil Collins. Oh. And guess
3: what that is? That is the original gate. That is when Phil was playing drums on that song. Uh-huh. And that's where the gating came from. <gasps> That's Holy the
2: shit! Of, uh, That's of the- who drum it.
1: Oh my god, Jack Antonoff, eat your heart out.
2: <laughs> that is a very fun fact. <laughs> that is so
1: sick, and they're both the creepiest songs.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and here's another fun fact about
3: Mother stands for comfort. You know who's a big fan of that song? Well, uh. in the whole record, but but has mentioned that song, Big Boy from Outcast.
0: Oh, uh.
1: sure. <laughs>
3: he he is a a at this point famous uh, famous for being uh, an unexpected kate bush fan but uh-huh. uh, he grew up listening to kate bush and uh and uh recently after a many many years long quest to do so uh collaborated with her the track's <gasps> been recorded and uh there's no word whatsoever on when it's coming out oh my god uh, he had a very very bizarre statement about like when people people are asking him when's it going to come out and he said um uh he, he was in a, an interview talking about his new record with uh, Sleepy Brown. And he said, uh, yo, go get this big Sleepover album. And then it's like the Legend of Zelda or Super Mario Brothers. That's going to unlock the map. I ain't <laughs> giving no more shit until y'all get this motherfucker right here and live with it, rock with it. And that's going to unlock the map. You oh, want that shit. Kate Bush record? Go ahead and stream the fuck out of this motherfucker. <laughs> do what you got to do. And then they're going to unlock the map. They're going to turn that little Mario into a big Luigi. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Kate Bush is the big Luigi
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when was This most recent album released Is this like a very recent development
3: Uh, Yeah Late last year
1: Okay, Mm I guess To all the folks at home Please go stream the fuck out of that Motherfucker so to speak (laughs) Um, Because I want to hear big boy (laughs) And Kate Bush the last note that I have about Mother stands for comfort because we love puns on this show. Um, is there's a lyric that says Mother will stay mum, and I think that's so smart because it's like mum, like <laughs> yeah, mummy, <it> really <laughs> and then it's also like mum, like hush. That's pretty good. Um, iconic.
2: My, my last thing, and we'll move on, is big shout out to I'm going to butcher this, Erberhard Weber. Okay. That's the bass player that's playing mm. the fretless on that track. That does so good.
1: Yeah, so did we really dive into, what were what were sort of the characteristics of, or like, what was up with the fretless bass? So,
2: uh, like, most of the times on a guitar, there is a fret, which is like a big piece of metal, right? right? And whenever you slide, you don't really get all the frequencies between the notes. Uh-huh. You get, like, a note, a little bit of the frequencies, and then the next note. Yeah. But on a fretless bass, whenever you slide, you get, like a smoother transition in the next note.
1: Would you say we're getting microtones?
2: Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah, they're microtones. He's not resting on the microtones. He's just kind of using them to get to the next one. Mm. Um, And he does it on a couple other tracks, but this one, it's really
0: Really
2: uh, apparent. Yeah, Yeah. really slinky. You guys want to hear a little more so you can kind of listen for it? Yes, please. Yeah, that's him, kind of with a bass lead up there. He's like, mm, so good. But yeah, it's really tasty. Really tasty.
1: That is delightful. Number next. Number next. This one has a crazy sort of backstory to it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it do uh, sure does. Cloud busting.
1: <laughs> Goodness, I mean, I have my notes, but this is a really deep well. Cat, um, would you like to <laughs> sort of clue the folks in? <laughs>
3: Um I mean yeah I'd be delighted to talk about the uh eccentric inventor and psychologist Wilhelm Reich. Um We're going everywhere uh, today folks was, all over. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this this is a figure that if you're into like any kind of Lovecraftian fiction Wilhelm Reich is like is one of those people who's like he was doing a bunch of stuff in real life. That fits right into the the mythos and stuff. I have a timeline that I've created for my show of like that combines fictional happenings, happenings in our show, and then a bunch of like actual world history. Mm-hmm. And like I've got a bunch of a bunch of dates of his life in there just in case it happens to overlap uh-huh. or whatever. So, um, this guy, um, interesting dude, came from Germany. Um, I'm going to do like the quickest, dirtiest summary of what is a, a longer, weirder story. Yeah. But, um <laughs> he he was saying some really cool sex positive stuff and and being like a kind of interesting. Interesting fella, uh, doing, uh, the kind of, the, the good psychology work that was coming out of Germany before Hitler took over, Mm -hmm. uh, in the Weimar Republic, and, um uh but he he got to the states and he just un, for what i for reasons i don't know he just kind of got a little crazier and a little crazier he had this theory about something called orgone energy mm-hmm. and orgone energy is a kind of like um universal consciousness it's it's the force it, it it binds us it penetrates us and um and and if you sit inside of a of a wood and metal box <laughs> yes. you can uh focus your orgone energy uh you got to do it naked um, because that's important because uh-huh. we're sex positive here and you need to make sure you're masturbating enough. That's also very important. Yeah. Um, and um, did you know that you can channel it into a machine called a cloud burster and make it rain but also fight off UFOs?
2: <laughs> is, that what the, is that the name of the song? <laughs> I
1: didn't read that. <laughs> it was like an actual thing that he had built. Um, <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy backstory.
0: Wow. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And if you watch the music video for this song, um they like literally recreate like a cloud busting device. Wow. Um and like use it to make it rain. Like it's it's pretty on the nose. <laughs> it's like, nope, this is exactly who it's about. Um so then this uh song is sort of from the perspective of Peter Wright, right, who is his son. Um who is sort yeah. of uh. witnessing his father's arrest in the states by the FBI. Wow. Uh, now, which they happened. arrested
3: him for some, for basically for being a quack. It was yes. uh, sections 301 and 302 of the uh, uh, Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act to prevent interstate shipment of orgone accumulators and to ban promotional literature relating to that. Mm-hmm. However, um, for whatever reason, for reasons I don't fully understand, I've never read into it enough, they went hard on this guy. They weren't just like, <laughs> "Hey, man, you're 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 selling bogus things. You shouldn't do it." Um, but I guess he had too many friends, or they didn't like that he kind of had like a cult like following to mm-hmm. some degree. Mm. They burned six tons of his books, including wow. a bunch of material that had nothing to do with Orgone. That was his more credible stuff from beforehand. Mm-hmm. They destroyed it, uh, which is really fucked up. Yeah. And like, I mean, they they arrested this guy and he died in prison. Yeah. I mean, like, this should not. Th- th- there's plenty of things wrong with this picture, but this should not have happened.
1: Probably, mm-hmm. um, not
3: the way, not the way that it did. Anyway, 1920s? Now, or 1960s?
1: It was actually, oh. No,
2: 1956.
1: Okay, wow. yeah. yeah, late 50s. Which, fun fact, it wasn't the first time he was arrested by the FBI. Oh no, I was. Um, I, I looked into this song beforehand, and so I knew there was an arrest involved. And I'm going through just his Wikipedia page, and I see arrest. And it's the first arrest, which was a case of mistaken identity. Oh, no. (laughs) He was um, apprehended by the FBI in 1941 because they said that he was distributing communist literature, um, which my understanding is was not true. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he went to jail for a while, and they realized there was, instead of uh, Wilhelm, William Reich, who was Mm. a... Like a bookstore owner in New Jersey who was uh, distributing communist literature, which if that were still the case today, there are a lot of bookstores in my neighborhood.
2: <laughs> Very that, different time. <laughs> um,
1: would not still be around. Uh, but yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy backstory. And um, I think that's something that's so interesting about this album is like you know you you can choose to listen to it at face value, and it's still like a fucking sick like, Baroque pop, um, really, like, entrancing song, Mm -hmm. and then you realize there's this whole, like, huge, deep rabbit hole of, like, lore behind it, Um, and I think that's so impressive to then, like, translate that crazy clusterfuck into, like, four or five minutes. Insane. Yeah,
2: it's five minutes long.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm just so impressed by her artistry to take concepts, and even concepts we're going to talk about later, and really flesh it out into a song that's A, beautiful, two, super deep, and like, yeah, just good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah super
3: sick it is intensely beautiful whatever whatever one might say about uh rake and i'm there people say a lot of things people still buy orgone energy accumulators not the but not not necessarily the boxes you sit in though i'm sure you can but like different things that because people at least like the idea of like if there is a universal energy like many people have have really like have sort of had their own takes on what that might be, but they like the name. Yeah. They like the, you know, different aspects of that. I'm not really familiar with, like, kind of the modern version of it, but um, but oh. because it's based on his son's memoir, like, it's extremely touching, and it's very beautiful, and the way that Kate uh, mm-hmm. latches onto how he, he had this glow-in-the-dark yo-yo um, that he... Uh, had to like get rid of it. I read this thing where, where Kate said it was because like it was created using fluorescent lights, and that was one of the things that his dad was like, "Oh nope, that's bad for overgrown energy. Can't have that." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I think I think it was because that glow in the dark stuff was a- actually create like had radioactive isotopes in it back then. Uh-huh. I think that's yeah. what that why that was. Yeah, um, I can see that. But uh, anyway, he had the kid has to bury it in in the garden and like, and then we'll dig up the the yo yo every now and then to play with it. Like he gets rid of it by burying it, but he can't hide his dad just as easily from the government and it's like heartbreaking and very sad yeah wow
1: yeah cool story very <laughs> very very interesting story if you want to go down i got onto a weird side of youtube looking at
2: like <laughs> organ
1: accumulators it's it's kind of like the like ye olde like reiki does you know?
2: does kate bush believe in the organ machines
1: i'm not sure Nothing that I saw probably not. seemed... Probably Yeah. I think she was probably very fascinated yeah. by this sort of pseudoscience.
2: Speaking of pseudoscience, uh, do you guys want to play a bit? Yes, please. Um, I have prepared another uh, fantasy or bruise for Kat. Uh yes! Hooray. Hooray, hooray. Uh, and for those who haven't heard, um, there will be a little preview before it gets into it, but we're going to do a scripted audio drama. Yes in the world of Fantasy Album of Brews.
1: Our <laughs> scripted audio drama. <laughs> Previously
2: on, on Fantasy of Brews.
1: You've been meddling with my mead.
2: The mead
0: merchant caravan with the silver saddled stallions, huh? Nay, we robbed the potion peddler with the brown bridled bronco. Let's take him
1: in. Not like this. He's too dangerous. <laughs> Wait, Uh, what do we do with the guard?
0: Mm, some other guard will get him. <laughs> Okay, Erica. He's unconscious. Let's drag him. Where should we take him?
1: Well, the only guard I know personally, we left in that alley.
0: We could take him to the guardhouse on the other side of town. Or we could take him to, to her.
1: You don't mean her, do you?
0: The meanest countess in the realm, I mean.
1: The one who stumped that potion peddler uprising with an iron fist? The one who
0: slayed fifteen orcs with a single blade.
1: The one who eats pitons for breakfast?
0: The very one. I heard she doesn't sleep and crows stay fifteen miles from her house at all times.
1: I heard she keeps six daggers on her body at all times. I
0: once heard she cut off the fingers of every bandit she catches and keeps them as her um, uh, trophies.
1: I heard she's so evil, the demons themselves don't possess the villagers within 10 fiefdoms of her castle.
0: And she's so cunning, the of Whispers won't even utter her name.
1: Well, I think if anyone can help us with the bandits and get your merchant's mead back at the inn, it's her. Let's give it a shot.
0: It's decided then. We'll take him to Countess Celia Orgon. Lady Celia, I present to you Simon and Erica and something, someone else? Oh,
3: what a good little lynx. You've been so good today. Oh, my precious baby. Look at this scuffy little <clears throat> I love your spots. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Where are my manners? Please come in. Come in. <clears throat> are you Grand
0: Countess Celia Oregon?
3: Oh, please, call me Celia. So much formality these days.
1: Okay, wait, so you're the Celia who stumped that potion peddler's uprising with an iron fist?
3: Oh, yeah, that's that's me. The very one who slayed 15 orcs with a single blade, barely broke a sweat. You're the <laughs> one
0: who eats beetons for breakfast?
3: Of course. And I don't sleep. And the crows, they stay 15 miles from my house at all times.
1: And do you always keep six daggers on you at all times? Like, just in case?
3: <laughs> oh, oh no, no, no. I, actually, I have seven. <laughs> and they do come in handy from time to time, you know.
0: Do you really keep the fingers of every bandit you ever got? Keep them as their um, trophies?
3: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's, that is only hearsay. Yuck. Wow. <laughs>
1: Look, I'm a big fan. I heard you are so evil. Mm. The demons themselves don't Mm -hmm. possess the villagers within ten fiefdoms of your kingdom. Is that true?
3: Why, of course. My dear, my darling, it's very convenient. They also say, I'm so cunning that the Guild of Whispers won't even utter my name. And they speak so quietly. So, uh, disregarding the unconscious person at your feet, what brings you here today?
1: (laughs) Ah! The chandelier! Celia! Countess Celia Orgon! She's been knocked out! Look up there! A bandit! Let's get him! It's not the best audio drama, but it is the stickiest. It is the stickiest. Folks, we're back. We did nothing at all, and we've just been sitting here thinking about the twist that we are now going to encounter on this album. Um, so, Kat, like you were saying, this record has a very distinct A-side and B-side, the A-side being Hounds of Love, the B-side, which isn't really, like, formally listed on streaming services or anything like that. It's, like, noted if you're looking for it. Um, but did you say it was actually listed on, like, vinyl pressings as what will be our B-side?
3: Well, um, it's been a minute since I looked at it the record, trying to pull it up from memory, but it is, mm. it is listed as the ninth wave. Like, yeah. it, you can see mm. that these the remaining songs are under their, a separate
1: heading. Yeah. And so the ninth wave, take what you uh, experienced in the first half of the album, put it in a beautiful little box, and put the box on a shelf, and open this different box, <laughs> which is this crazy sort of um, narrative arc that begins with, and dream of sheep. Uh, Where we find our protagonist in a precarious situation.
2: Yes, she is on a ship that has just sunk. Is it sunk in this one? Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: Or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just kind of out at sea uh, with nothing but like a life vest with a tiny little beacon on it. Just kind of hoping that maybe someone will find her or hoping she doesn't get extreme hypothermia or something like that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very dark.
2: <laughs> yeah, I loved kind of the audio imagery in yeah. this one right at a minute. I'm going to play it. Uh, mm. But there's like a big timpani build and then seagulls. Mm. Uh, and it kind of gave me goosebumps the first time.
0: Mm.
2: What a story, in like yeah. thirty seconds of music, yeah
3: it's so, it's so haunting, and it starts it this this terrible journey starts so simple and innocent. she mm. she's like a, a little kid drifting there, mm-hmm. even like there, there's a part where you hear someone say, "Come here with me now," and that's literally kate mo- Kate's mom saying what she would say to her when Kate would come into
2: her room after a nightmare in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. oh wow, ooh, that's visceral. Yeah. Really, she's really touching on something. I've given pers- myself goosebumps and I'm ready to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah, get your tissues ready. These yeah. next couple are are crazy. Yeah, are crazy. And the music video for this song um is is pretty like literal as far as like the music video's interpretation of the song. Like it's quite literally uh Kate Bush in this sort of nondescript body of water in a life jacket, like, treading water with the little beacon. And it's just that the whole time, which I think, like, when you think about it, when you think about actually, like, being in this situation, like, that's where you are, you know? Nothing changes over the course of one song. Mm -hmm. You're still, at the end of, like, two minutes or whatever, going to be in the water unless something drastic happens
3: that's a newer video. That's from 2014 because Ooh. in 2014, she did her first live show since the early eighties. Mm-hmm. um, uh, she notor- like pe- when this album came out there were a lot of people who were like well I guess she's never touring again because she made herself a studio record and she's such a perfectionist she never felt comfortable with anything she did on stage mm-hmm. so she had a, she did a residency uh, at the Hammersmith where she played the entirety of the ninth wave a bunch of stuff from Hounds of Love that she never performed live wow. and then um, for the most part then like a bunch of material from Ariel as well including the album the, the like disc length concept record that I mentioned before I don't spend a lot of money, but when I do, I uh stay up till two a m to buy <laughs> Kate Bush tickets and fly overseas to see her in twenty fourteen uh One of the most expensive things I've ever that done amazing it, yes there I've never seen another show like this in my entire life. It was just oh incr- incredible. It was like at this like very complex multimedia stage production, and there's a recorded version of it called before the Dawn. Um, so you can hear the audio version of it. She claims she didn't film it. I mean, of course, someone filmed something. I mean, she, you know, but there are are visual, you know, documents of it, but it was was incredible. Oh, Oh, my God. And and the ninth wave in sequence as a stage play musical is just wow.
1: That's, okay, so that's, insane that it actually happened, I'm not surprised, but I'm so happy to hear it because when I was like doing my first full listen of this, I was like, this is so theatrical. Like I want to see this like on a stage
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, we start to get some additional characters. we start to get like a, a pretty like clear picture of of a sequence of things. Um, so I can only imagine what it was like like actually set on the stage. Did she wear? I I saw somewhere that she was like one of the first artists to rock like a wireless headset and mic on stage because she wanted to be able to like move super freely. She incorporates dance into so much of her mm. uh, art, so I I can only imagine it was like kind of a similar thing. Kate's up, down, all around, everywhere.
3: Yes, but in a in a much more like. 30 years later kind of you know kind of way she's still doing she was doing a lot i mean and this is a long show a yeah. long show so um she does not do the same kind of dance numbers that she did before but you know <laughs> but she's still she's still working her ass off
1: yeah that is very fair and still very impressive um so this person is at sea and up next sort of on the docket are three songs that as they're slipping into hypothermia and delusion, um they sort of have three separate like hallucinations.
2: And they're kind of like past, present, future, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: Which is a very cool story element to kind of fill out this six-song track. Yeah. Um, this one starts really scary, right? Yeah. It's um and <laughs> And there's a voice in here that reminds me of Professional monogol Yeah, Professional Monagle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah from, from Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that, that wouldn't have existed in 1985, so they couldn't have been <laughs> referencing that. But anyways, here it is. Good imagery there.
1: Yeah, it's like a Robert Frost poem. Jesus, Christmas,
2: <laughs> skating fast. The,
3: the the horror of of skating and skating and skating and then seeing yourself trapped under the ice and be like, that's not right. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> right,
1: right. It's kind of like Zach. Was that underscores where? And I wonder if they maybe were like inspired by this. But we we listened to a song on the podcast that sort of was in a similar vein. You. Are sort of in this, or your ghost, and you realize you're at a funeral, mm. and look in the casket, and it's your body. That was body. hail the sun,
2: yeah. Oh, hail the sun,
1: yeah. Uh, so, like, similarly disturbing. Yeah, this idea of seeing yourself in
2: death or near death. Yeah,
1: right. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Kat, what what was sort of your take on like these next three?
3: Well, they're they're each so distinct. They each have their own uh, remarkable palette. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is something that a lot of artists have have done Mm -hmm. um this like this thing of of having um using the conceit of someone being asleep and and dream imagery transitioning really quickly Mm -hmm. to account for the variance in in song Mm -hmm. um but but no one's ever done it so immersively and beautifully as this um the other one that comes to mind immediately is uh the roger waters record the pros and cons of hitchhiking um but that one's that like it's not his best solo work. It's fine, but it's just like, Having having a bigger, more more impactful meta meta narrative of this woman lost at sea and mm-hmm. and struggling with all that, and then having these hallucinations, all that sort of like involve well, for at least the, the next two, like water in some way. Like so you can you can feel the transitions happening. Yeah, you can feel her her. You can you really just get inside her head and feel these illusions with her, rather than being confused or befuddled and having some kind of you know excuse that you as to why it's happening that you read about later.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ooh! Okay, so we've seen um our our first hallucination under ice and we go to sort of the next arc uh in waking the witch which scared the shit out of so me sweet. the first time i listened to it i was listening in my headphones i was just like that's going the right for a to walk that's right way to do
2: it yeah mm-hmm.
1: i i was going for a walk i had my headphones with like noise cancellation on and i was just going to like grab a coffee <laughs> and um, Zach, will you just play the first couple seconds oh, oh, of this song? Gladly,
2: <laughs> gladly. Wake up.
0: <laughs> you must wake up.
1: There she is. Hey,
2: attention. That's <laughs> Professor Monogirl.
1: Hi, Maggie Smith. God, love. They should make the light,
2: but see your alive.
1: So yeah, like that first, the way it's mixed, um, these people really feel like they're sort of around you in a dream state. And for a second, I really thought someone had like come up to me and gone like, Wake up, and I was like, "What the? Fuck?
2: You wake up in a coma? Literally, <laughs> this is all been a dream." There was no
1: one around me. I was like walking in a park, and oh I was no. like, "Who's there? Who's there?" <laughs> um, yeah, uh, cat. I mean, give it to us. Give it to us. This is so okay gorgeous it's it's like simultaneously like really beautiful and also very like cerebral and like deeply sad
3: (laughs) yeah so like there's this is really like um two songs in one because we have the um that all the the wake up stuff and all all this this, the sound collage is like part one which escorts you into like a, a delirium of like she's you know imagine she's Underwater and and it, or like you know like at the, just at the, like her face is just barely like you know hovering above it and she's not staying conscious and she can't and she's like her her thoughts are going all these different places and then she goes full tilt into a horrifying nightmare where yeah. she is a witch who is being drowned uh by people who don't uh like, you know, like understand her. And there's these just heart-wrenching lyrics that like um where she's she's like trying to give confession and and she's pleading for somebody to listen to her and they say that that they question her innocence. She calls herself a blackbird, which immediately signals that she's like, you know, like she's like help this blackbird, like referring to herself. Yeah. Like which is, you know, like so many, so many women died because men were afraid of the healers that they had in their communities and they wanted to blame women for anything they could get away with and they use religion to do it and um so you you hear this woman get accused of being a witch they tie a a stone around her leg and drown her and uh and it is just this just absolutely absolutely merciless nightmare
1: oh yeah Um, the last verse that happens here is such a cluster it's so terrifying uh stark 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 contrast to the beginning uh Zach what did you think
2: yeah no it's a great it's a great two in one sometimes two in one songs don't hit me very good mm. but this one does it so good
1: Oh, it's totally. yeah totally totally Cause it's like should. the wake up stuff
3: sort of prepares you for yeah. how like this because this is not this is not a normal song. It is not a normal <laughs> sonic journey there it is it is all over the place, but it's it's cohesive. yeah, it's just um, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot
1: and I mean, it really like mirrors a dream state, you know, mm-hmm. like I know I've experienced um sort of being in my lightest waves of sleep and then being like, oh, no, I'm gonna sleep for a little bit longer, and then some terrifying shit happens yeah. in my dreams. Um, I mean, this is a far different situation because she's not curled up on her mattress right now, but it, it it's like, it's chaotic and it's crazy, but it also like, like makes sense, which is astonishing. It's so cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then at the end of this one, she gets rescued, right? There's like a helicopter.
3: Well, no.
2: The context is
3: weird because in, in the stage play, they did change it. Oh. oh. The helicopter the helicopter does show up but like in this you hear them say get out of the waves get out of the water and like who are they talking to right? like what right. is that what, what, what the fuck because then like she's clearly back in dreams the next song right? like she's right. clearly yeah. like not with it uh-huh. um, so why why is that happening here? I guess it must just be another hallucination Um. and they bring in this, this massive helicopter effect which to make another Pink Floyd parallel and there are many in, in Kate's career mm-hmm. uh, that is literally the helicopter sample from the wall Because she couldn't (laughs) find a good one. So she asked her friends in Pink Floyd to give her the one from the wall. Is
2: it? Can we play it?
1: Yes, please. I want
2: to hear it. Because I was like, that synth sounds like a helicopter. But I did not recognize it.
1: (laughs) You! Yes, you! Stand still, Lenny!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very Irish. Wow. That was a really
1: good Mm -hmm. impression earlier. Wow. (laughs) Helicopter
2: sample from uh, from the wall. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, uh, so let me get yeah. into – so sad. So sad. Um, this is sort of like our future. If we're, if we're doing like past, mm-hmm. present, future, this is sort of reckoning with um, who your future self could be. It's nuts. It's such a mindfuck.
2: Yeah, I couldn't really even like dig into this one. I was just like, I don't know, super good though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, do I need to call my psychiatrist yeah. after?
3: <laughs> actually, actually. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, without please. me. Is is the present.
1: Oh. Uh, Jig of
3: life is the future.
1: <gasps> yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Oh, duh. Yeah. So
2: like So what what's the present?
3: This as one. as she is uh like she starts to have this vision of what her family might be doing like when she's not there like in that moment she becomes maybe it's maybe it's literal who, who and she, her, her consciousness is just that strung out who can say but yeah. she is watching uh, she's a poltergeist in her own home mm. and yeah. that's why there's there's all these like, backwards lyrics and like she's mumbling lyrics and all <laughs> these different things to kind of like warp her attempts to make contact Oh, yeah, it's very, that makes like, more
2: sense now.
1: It's very lovely bones. You know, like being aware that your family is there and you're not there but you're trying to make contact another another tear jerk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so sad.
2: <laughs> so is there anything important to the story in this one besides that she just sees her family without her? Uh,
3: well, I th- I think there's a, there's a real it's this is this is grounded, right? This isn't just like a, this isn't a hallucination about about um, ice skating. This isn't a hallucination. About um, uh, you know being a being a witch. This is this is coming to a kind of grips with what's going to happen to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like seeing the people that she loves existing without her. Both in this moment where they don't know that she's lost yet. Yeah. And then also, but which also brings to mind the fact that they are going to if she dies. They will have
2: to live on without her.
1: Yeah. And then I misspoke earlier because the next song, is Jig of Life, which, is encountering. Which is an itself.
2: actual jig. It's like, that's what the type of music it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kate, Bus- uh, Kate Bush is half Irish.
1: Really? Yeah. Love
2: that. Uh, her mother fra- is from Waterford. I don't sure. know where in Ireland that is. Yeah. Uh, but this is more hallucinations still? Yeah?
1: Sort of. Yeah. That's what it felt like. But um,
2: this is her future self,
3: one that still exists because she survives, directly yeah. addressing her. Oh, yeah. Um, that's why it starts with, hello, old lady. I know your face well. I know it well.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, that's so good.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. The The song that, or the lyric that really like was like the knife in the gut for me um, was, was thinking about encountering your future self, being in this really life or death situation and your future self saying to you, never say goodbye to my part of your life. Like, hold on, girly, for my sake.
2: To draw like a diagram for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, again, very cerebral and high concept, but like makes sense. Yeah, totally. Kat, what what, what are your thoughts about this one?
3: Uh, it is uh, profoundly beautiful. Yeah. Um, it also has uh, – like, the, I mean, it's not it, it's not one to one, but there can also be a, a sort of trans narrative here as well.
1: Oh, totally. Um,
3: it ends with um, her brother, one of her two brothers, John Carter Bush, uh, mm-hmm. reading this poem. And it is just everything. It is so haunting. Like, this is it's like it's like it, it's the gra- well it's it, like it's it's. It coming in the way it does sort of says to the listener that there's been a, a, a real massive gravity to what you've heard because it sounds like all of a sudden like someone someone big is talking to you. Like yeah. maybe mm-hmm. maybe a god of some kind. And the poetry is absolutely gorgeous. I don't really know what it means per se, but let's let's hear it real fast.
2: Can't you see where memories are kept bright? Tripping on the water like a laughing girl. Time in our eyes, a spawning past life, on the ocean and the woman unfurls, holding all the love that waits for you here. Catch us now, for I am your future, a kiss on the wind and we'll make the land. Come over here to where, when lingers, waiting in this empty world,
1: waiting for them when the life spray cools
0: fuck.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, listen... This is a totally different vibe, but it sort of does remind me in Michael Jackson's thriller. (laughs) (laughs) Darkness falls across the land. This is executed way better. (laughs) Yes. This is like like that went to a very prestigious (laughs) like art school and felt a lot of feelings (laughs) and wrote a lot of poetry. (laughs) And the other one is at Party City. Yeah
3: and didn't have um, Vincent Price the actor. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: But it it sounds really similar. I was going to say earlier and I'm sort of like answering my own question in my head, but I assume that this is a poem that Kate wrote, yeah? Or uh,
3: as best I I know, yeah. I I, yeah. I did scour briefly and I didn't see anything to the contrary to that point. Couldn't find it yeah. either, yeah.
1: I I just love like sibling relationships and I always Get such a, um, even when the subject matter is this heavy, I get a little twinkle, a little pep in my step when someone gets their sibling involved in their creative endeavors. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) And
2: he's a respected writer and photographer. He's a very talented guy, too.
1: Yes, amazing.
3: All the Bush kids are on this track. Uh, Her other brother's playing Didgeridoo. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think I
1: saw that.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. That's crazy.
1: Uh, Family band. Family band. Um, so we've gone through the past, present, and future. We've seen some really scary stuff, and now we get into the penultimate track, Hello Earth.
2: Yeah, this starts with a sample uh between the space shuttle Columbia on the maiden mission STS-1 in April 1981. I don't know anything else about that, but I thought that was super cool. I'm that gonna is play super it right cool. quick. Yeah. Well, you wanna hear something really disturbing?
1: Yes, please. <laughs>
2: So, uh,
3: of course, unfortunately, Columbia um, was the second major shuttle disaster in the United oh. States in uh, 2003, and um, there is a uh, uh, particularly uh, the song is about like seeing Earth outside of Earth. It's kind of like 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 seeing you know Earth as an astronaut or whatever, and yeah. you know, how you could. If you hold one hand up, you could blot out the Earth. And it's both this, like, dist- it's a distance from Earth and also feeling a connection from Earth, which is something that astronauts often describe. They, I forget what they call it, but it's a, a certain, like, lived circumstance of every time somebody gets up there, they feel this, like, profound connectedness. It's very similar to um, to what people might experience d- during different kinds of trips. Um, yeah. That is, like, you know, uh, psychedelic so there's there's a moment where she I get out of my car, step into the night and look up at the sky and there's something bright traveling fast which is entirely how Columbia was destroyed. Ah. Um, oh. And th- and this song came out a mere like several Four. months before the Challenger
2: disaster.
1: No. Wow. And this is supposed to be the rescue song.
2: <laughs> now, now I want to hear it in that context, yeah. right? Now, yeah. now, feel, now it's got a, a weight to it.
1: Oh, absolutely.
3: There is another interesting little space thing here, though, oh, which cool. I yes. really love. Those haunting vocals that are in this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a, a Georgian polyphonic choral folk music. Um, and uh, it's a song called uh, Zinzakaro which Kate apparently first heard in uh, Werner Herzog's 1979 film Nosferatu, The Vampire. Oh. Mm. Now, I haven't seen that. But where I recognize Georgian polyphonic choral fo- folk music from being like, you know, someone from the States and someone from Central Florida where, you know, they shoot the shuttles off and stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the tracks on the Voyager Golden Record that were, was sent out um, was a, another uh, Georgian song in that style, a different a different one called... Uh, uh, chakrulo but like the same haunting polyphonic uh human vocal sound mm. um so mm. combining that like that thing this kind of this beautiful haunting uh human voice that right now are on two separate golden records out in space at the moment as we were as we speak like that have like i believe both of them is have exited our solar system uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. like the, they're those that that is amongst the human voices that are like you know like on a, at least on physical media like traveling farthest those records of our existence out there
2: and, and it's like a Gregorian chant and it sounds and feels so ancient yeah it sounds like old monks in a in a giant cathedral it's very and then cool.
1: coupling that with like a spaceship
2: <laughs> yeah, is so it makes sense <laughs> take a shot juxtaposition. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Whale song just then, um, which is a reoccurring <laughs> thing in Kate Bush records. Um, that checks out. <laughs> I mean, she 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 knows the song of her people. Like sonically, she and and whale song have a lot in common. Yeah. They're both haunting and sure. beautiful and rather high pitched.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Was this like worked into the live set? Like, did they bring out monks to like chant at the show? They did not. <laughs>
0: Damn <laughs> it!
3: Sad. Not, not to my not to my recollection. It's all kind of a weird blur.
1: Um, but <laughs> a weird no, British blur. My...
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so w- w- she's still in the water down this one, right? Hello, Earth, and she's having this otherworldly experience.
1: Uh huh.
2: Yeah. Um, And then in the morning fog, she is or isn't getting rescued. I saw a debate on the internet.
1: Oh.
3: I love that you can debate it, but no, she's getting rescued. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it
2: here first, folks. Yep. (laughs) Definitively. I thought she was getting rescued.
1: Yeah. And that was my assumption, too.
2: There's there's a sect of fans that believe that she actually didn't.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh.
3: Well, they are very pessimistic. Uh, yeah. I uh, like so they too. maybe should. May, maybe they should spend more time on side A, and Oof. then
2: they can revisit side
3: B. <laughs> yes. Yes. Some real, it.
2: some real glass <laughs> half empty type of people.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. preying
1: on her downfall.
3: Or, or, or someone who really thinks you know, like, no art. Being artful is to be dark. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm yeah, no, 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 no. No. sorry. Hey, I'm I'm sorry for all the bad things that happened to you. But that's just not. It doesn't have to be that way.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can have a good ending.
3: Yeah. And I write horror, goddammit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this this brings us home. It's it's beautiful. Again, it's haunting. Again, there there are these lyrics, um, sort of where she's sort of committing to like how she's gonna tell All the people in her life, how much she loves them, like sort of getting this like new appreciation after a near-death experience and like visiting them in her like psyche realm. But what a beautiful conclusion.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that it it sounded like she got rescued. Yeah. After all that like 30 minutes of turmoil.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But she's sort of like this has happened. I've been reborn and I love. Well, the line is just "I love you more again," and I think that could kind of be interpreted like a myriad of ways, right? You could love your family more. You could love mm. yourself more. You could love your current situation more after being in like deep, deep water for a while. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna come out and kiss the ground.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And she makes it personal. She makes it really personal. Yeah, like, like she. The, who's the last person that she tells that she loves them? Her brothers.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, this is a crier. This is a crier. And listen to this as if she is getting rescued. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And we get that sexy bass back again. The
1: yeah. sexy fellows bass.
2: We gotta end up with a sexy bass.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we felt so many feelings. Like, how do we wrap this up?
2: <laughs> Everyone take care of yourself. Drink a glass of water.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a little bit of aftercare. A little decompress.
2: Yeah. Um, it ends happy. She's she loves.
1: Yeah. It sort of reminds me of um Did either of you play Undertale?
3: Mm mm. I I, I got pretty far, and then I uh, got stuck at a boss for a moment and then didn't play the game for long enough that I kind of need to do it again. And I know Flowery's going to, like, give me some shit. So, like, <laughs> just haven't done it.
1: Yeah, that'll happen. that happened to me right now, actually. Um, but there is sort of towards the end, like, a, a tear-jerking song that um, – Sort of sounds similar to this, and it's when you're like returning to this very meaningful place. Mm-hmm. And I always get like, ah. <laughs> if you know, let me know what you think.
3: <laughs> I know that, that that doesn't surprise me. There is, I I don't know if there's a direct through line to from like Undertale to, to Kate Bush or anything, but I feel like <laughs> if if you're into Kate Bush, yeah, you might like Earthbound, and if you like Earthbound, then you'll like Undertale because Undertale is is a direct byproduct of Earthbound, so. Yeah.
1: The Kate Bush to Toby Fox Pipeline. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: well, we've laughed, we've cried, and we've danced. Um, I think it's Rabrewski time. I
2: think it's Rabrewski time. It's Rabrewski time.
1: Hell definitely. yeah.
3: It is my esteemed honor to uh, give to Kate Bush and Hounds of Love the Rabrewski for most likely to crack your egg.
1: Um, congratulations. It's a very, very prestigious award. Uh, not, man, not not <laughs> just everybody gets to do that. No, 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 no. One in, one in a million. Uh, folks, we are Albumer Brews, and we will continue to be Albumer Brews. If you want to check us out on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Albumer Brews. And if you'd like to take a look at our website, it is www.albumerbrews.com.
2: A giant thank you to Cameron Bop, our editor and musical director. Uh, coming oh
1: at,
2: sure. Coming, yeah. <laughs> sure! coming at you soon with a song exploder episode on our theme song. Maybe follow Cameron Bop at CamBop17 on Twitch and Twitter. A giant thank you to you, the listener, for hanging out with the song. If you like this show, tell your grandma about it. Uh, she'd
1: love us she'd love
2: us don't do that <laughs> <laughs> and lastly a giant thank you uh, to Kat Blackyard for coming on and experiencing Kate Bush with us we're so thankful for it
3: thanks for having me
2: do go check out Kat's uh, newest season of the podcast that she uh, directs
3: I play Roger the bully in this season <laughs> <laughs> yes!
2: oh there he is oh
1: my goodness uh, uh, based is- loosely
3: uh, legally distinct from Roger from the uh, cartoon show Doug Entirely <laughs> different. <Yeah. laughs> there's no overlap. There's no, no overlap. overlap. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no similarity at all. Not at all. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that is the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. Find it wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, and we're gonna hear a little clip it of an episode that's about to come out. Correct.
3: Uh, and it'll have just come out just by the time out. you're hearing this. If you're, if you're a, a, a very quick listener, uh, yeah. yeah, So,
2: and is there anything uh, the audience needs to know about the this clip before we play it?
3: Well, let's see. So this is from our our new series, Night at Howling House. Um, It uh, is about a bunch of kids who get suckered into spending the night at what is a notoriously haunted house, and it is so much worse than they ever imagined. (laughs) (laughs) And I selected a very very short scene uh, that involves them uh, drinking some booze that they found in said house.
2: Well, cheers to that. Cheers to that.
3: What you got there, kid? Oh, I found a knife. Look. Chelsea, why do you have a knife? It was in the bag. And finder's keepers. Why would you touch that? A random knapsack and howling house. Finder's keeper's woods. What else did you find, Chelsea? I found this little canteen. I pull the canteen out of my pocket and I give it to him. That's not oh. a
0: canteen, Chelsea. Oh, that
3: looks like daddy's juice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, let me see that canteen real quick. I've never give had it to daddy's Joey. juice. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's in it went bad, man. Joey. <laughs> Roger, you want some of this oh, Yeah, I hey, do. <laughs> here you go. I toss it to Roger. Oh, guys, I just want some daddy juice. I've never had it. It looks delicious. You want a swig, Woods? No, I am not having a swig. Dirt. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Dirt. Yes. Dirt. Yes, Dirt. Yes, my lord. Dirt. All right. Dirt. Dirt. Oh, here, here Dirt. I'm Dirt. 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 Here, I
1: am drinking it now. Mm. Whoa. <laughs>
2: Uh, Cass, anything else you want to say to the folks before we get out of here? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a pleasure.
3: It's been such a pleasure <laughs> to be Yay. here, Alma Bruce. Thank you for having me and uh, and letting me info dump and
2: uh, <laughs> yes, and yes, sharing anytime. some big
3: feelings together, some real big feelings.
2: Yay! <clears throat> yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff.
1: Uh, well, then, at this point in the podcast, we are going to get um, tenderly close to our microphones and issue a sweet, sweet goodbye to our to our listeners. So we'll go in the same order that we introduced ourselves. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye.